You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 62. It's all about copying. Tech fan number 62. It's all about hey, copying. Hey, 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 I just said that. Yeah, but copying's the new thing in tech. Tech fan number 62, I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm David Cohen. And we're coming off of a uh, more of an extended absence than we're used to this last month, David. Well, it's been all about the sickie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last week, my kids were sick on the time we were going to uh, record this show. and Yep, and mine, mine are sick now, and they were sick the week... Uh, I was sick the week before last, so... Um... I was bad. I, I literally couldn't get out of bed. So. Yeah, I haven't been sick yet. So um, knock on wood, I suppose. Yeah. Well. I, I just, I hope if I'm going to get sick, it's either going to be before I go to Macworld or after I get back from Macworld, not during. Uh, I expect it will be directly after, well, after a set of flights and then spending five days in the Moscone Center. I would have thought it would be directly after you. You know, I, I know a lot of people get sick. After going to events like this, I never have. No, no, never, never got home. Must, and just, I think I think that's something to do with that encounter seat you somewhere when you go around the show floor. Yeah, got, <laughs> guy Cyril got sick like two years ago, and uh, he he you know he had a long drive back, and he had to stop halfway through and stay in a hotel. He was so sick, which yeah, is that, just the worst. That's terrible. Um, you know, he he uh, he kind of he always seems to struggle in San Francisco. I don't know what. Maybe he's allergic to the place. He, there's always something. Yeah. yeah. He, if it's if it's not if it's not if it's not him physically, then he then he has some horrendous computer problem. Yeah. Uh, or which, <laughs> yeah, he has a he has a whole bag full of cables, and yet he never has the one he needs to fix the problem. Right. <laughs> seems to work that way. Or he's sleeping in his hotel room when I'm waiting to podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's you know less than two weeks away. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to get really excited. You know, it's kind of weird, and I know it's it's not. It never would have happened, but back in the day at MacWorld, there was always this little sense of I could run into Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, the chances of that have gone down this year. A little bit. <laughs> um, I don't but, know. It, it yeah, feels uh, weird. But having said that, you know, there's still plenty of. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know now. Now that Apple aren't involved with the show, whether they actually head up there and go and have a look around. I know that there were some guys from Apple at CES this week. There'll be I people heard. from Apple at uh, uh, MacWorld. There always is. I always run into people. At Macworld, in fact, the year after they pulled out, we were doing the uh, that contest thing. The, yeah, the, the Apple the quiz, his, the history of Apple. Yeah, and I had a couple Apple employees play. All right. So I know they go. I mean, I, I see quite a few of them, and they but don't I, try I'm, to hide it. Yeah, but I'm talking about 
you know, the people who, like up near the senior management and the top of Apple. I wonder whether they go and have a look around or not. I couldn't imagine why not. Just because they they're not showing at the at the event doesn't mean that they're not interested in the industry as a whole to see what some of the other things are out there that's on their platform. And mm-hmm. I would I would hazard to say it would be irresponsible of them not to at least send some people uh, to report back to see if there's anything interesting. Uh, at the very least, from the legal department to see if someone's infringing on your stuff. I mean, I, so I, yeah, I think they'll be there. Um, I, I would uh, certainly there'll be people, you know, browsing our site and browsing, you know, all the big blog sites who are reporting from the show. I don't imagine. So you mentioned uh, CES. That's on. Is it still? I think today's the last day. Today's the last day. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we're not a, a an Apple centric pet pods podcast at all, but. I don't know. I haven't seen anything that really captured my attention at all at the CES from other well, reporting. Here's the thing, right? I mean, this is what I obviously uh, there's been a big fuss this year. Microsoft, this is their last CES, and obviously Apple pulled out MacWorld a couple of years back. There is definitely a thing that you know the the age. I think the age of the trade show as a big reveal kind of event is, is over. I mean, what's what's the point? You, anybody who's remotely competent at marketing should be able to get their message out. If they've got a new product, they should be able to get it to hit the blogs. They should be able to get it to hit the new sites. They should be able to invite, you know, the right people to us to a small event and really um, kind of expose it to the world in a way that the, the trade show used to do but doesn't need to do anymore. So. You know, with with that in mind, what what role does does a show like CES have to play in terms of the big reveal? I don't see it really has anything to do. I think it has more value to the smaller companies who maybe can't generate the amount of press traffic on their own that they can do if they're associated with a show like CES. You know, but uh, you know, in terms of the big reveal, the big exciting thing that you've never heard of, um, it's all kind of it's all kind of a bit passe nowadays. Two years ago, it was all HD TVs, and nobody cared. Uh, I think it was Technologizer had an article about the last year of CES, 2011, and it was kind of the year of the tablets, and they went back and looked at it, and of the 11 major tablets they got all the press last year, two of them actually came to fruition, maybe three. Well, that's that's part of the problem i have with ces i i kind of kept an eye on it but i i really skipped through a lot of the stuff because anything that gets released at ces you have very little guarantee that it'll ever appear in your hands because so much of it is is kind of you know it's either delayed or they have they have some technical problems and they have to kind of fix it up or they decide that the market isn't right for it and um you know they're responding to what their competitors are doing so so much of what comes out of ces never actually hits the shelves yeah yeah and it's it's and even the like the smaller companies with the more more innovative products you know because that's let's face it apart from you know big companies like apple and everything all the innovation now is down at the um at the bottom end of the market not up at the top um you know the problem with being a small company is you is the very smallest problem can cause you to completely bomb a product or not not be able to get it out on time or on budget or whatever. 
So, um, you know, quite apart from distribution and all of that sort of thing. So it, it's the whole thing to me has become a little bit of a, of a certainly less of an event than, than, you know, than you might imagine. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether CES kind of justifies itself as such a large event, given, given what it, what it gives out. Well, I mean, you know, we kind of look at the consumer electronics version of the show or aspect of the show. It is more than that. It's, you know, refrigerators, it's, and it's not really for consumers, even though it's kind of built that way. It really is for, hey, come look at our new things, and hopefully you'll sell these in your stores next year. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it, it does seem to me that controllers, tactile controllers for iOS devices and Android, seem to be getting a lot of attention, seems to be a lot of products, you know, obviously vaporware to this point, but... You know, like that little iCade Mini. You put your yeah, iPhone in. You know, I, I was, I was kind of, I was interested by all that stuff. I've been looking at the iCade for a while, and it was actually on sale before Christmas here. Um, it dropped, dropped down in price by about fifty percent. And um, if I'd have found one, I might possibly have bought one. I came real so, close once. I was yeah. in Best Buy um, for an unrelated matter, and they had the an open box iCade. And it was on sale for seventy nine ninety nine. They had knocked another twenty bucks off for the open box one. It was all there. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it was still sixty dollars. And even at sixty dollars, it's just a little cabinet that I slide my iPad in to play a very select few games, mostly classic arcade type titles. And I yeah. think that at that price, sixty dollars, even at sixty bucks, it's just like, eh, I just I can't see. It'd be a no-brainer if it was twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, but the problem, I think, the problem they have with it is that I think it's over-engineered. Um, they've tried to make it into an arcade cabinet, um, and that that obviously that that ups the cost. The actual, I don't know if you've actually had had a chance to play with the controls themselves. I, I found one on a shelf uh, a few weeks ago. Um, the the micro switch controllers they're using are really really good quality. Uh, I mean. And it feels like a proper arcade machine. I just can't so, imagine I'm going to play yeah. play it all that often to justify that kind of purchase. And well, it's, this, and it's this, kind of big. It just kind of takes up a lot of space on yeah. your shelf, you know. This or, is this is the thing. I mean, I always wanted. Um, do you remember the uh, you know back in the day the Vectrex? Yeah, of course. Uh, system. I always wanted one of those, and that used um, the same kind of uh, vector con- vector display that uh, the old asteroids and. Tempest games and that sort of thing you use, you know, where, where it drew the picture up out of the lines rather than a, a bitmap image. I always wanted one of those. And every now and again, I'll, I'll see them on eBay and I'm kind of tempted. And, you know, the IK would have been uh, a kind of a better option for me because, you know, it plays more games and it plays more modern stuff and it was my iPad and that sort of thing. I've always kind of like fancied having some sort of tabletop arcade thing like that. Um, but but absolutely, I agree with you. The, the problem I would have with it is that... Um, you know, it's such a one-shot device for the cost you spend on it, um, and I can just just imagine my uh, my you know good lady saying, "You spent how much on something that does what?" <laughs> you know, and and so the the new ones they're launching, which are lower profile and hopefully will be low price, are probably more of an interest to me. Yeah, it's uh, you still got to put it in there, but it's just it's I don't even know how to exp- it's a 
It's basically just the joystick yeah, board. Yeah. If you imagine taking the cabinet, if anyone's who's seen these things, and this, this it's worth remembering, this thing was inspired by a joke that ThinkGeek did on April yeah. Fool's Day one year, where they they said, "Oh, here's an arcade cabinet you slot your iPad into," and then they went and made it. Um, so now, it, instead of looking like an arcade cabinet, it just looks like a, a joystick pedestal, and you just pop your iPod on iPad on the back, um, which presumably will, will bring some of the cost down. Um, uh, it'd be interesting to see. I, I'm still, you know, as you say, if, yeah, if, if I find one for twenty, thirty pounds, I'd probably buy one. But um, I don't really want to spend. Over here, they're selling for eighty pounds, which is just far too expensive for a well, one shot. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a one trick pony, and that it's it's limited as far as you know replayability to me. Yeah, but there are other controllers out, and the, yeah. the only thing that worries me about all of these is that whether they all only support a certain subset of games. Really, there needs to be a standard way of them getting them to well, interact with, that's it with all right games. There. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of like that little thing that you stick on and it's, eh. I, I thought that was pretty cool and it does work well for some games, but other games that I want the tactile touch with, i.e. like Grand Theft Auto, yeah. um, the controls change depending on what you're doing in the game. So if I'm, if I'm just running around and stuff, you know, it's fine, but then I get in the car and it's just left or right. So it's not going to work real well there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right, though. I, I would really like to see, uh, you know, who is it? It's, uh, I am trying to remember who did it now. I think it might have been Alienware. They have, and this was up on the Technologizer, too, if I'm not mistaken. Not that I'm, you know, infatuated with the Technologizer, but it's a really good site. No, it wasn't there. Um, I'm going to have to find it. It's basically a tablet. And it's a PC tablet. It's not an Android one. Running Windows 7. And it's got what kind of looks like two uh, Wii-like controllers on either side. Uh-huh. And it, when I first saw it, I thought, that's stupid. But then I saw some video. And the video made me go, ooh, you know what? Actually, I, that might be kind of cool. Now, this is, uh, you know, one a one device thing it's you know you you can't take the tablet out of it yeah but something like that for the ipad might be pretty yeah. damn cool mm. yeah I, the difficult the the difficulty does come back to though it's it's about software support you can have the the coolest hardware in the world but if it only works with one or two software titles you you really are fighting uphill battle trying to get people to adopt these things but don't you um, you have to make the product first and you've yeah, got to make know, it so damn good that you know the software developers can't ignore it well that seems to be the problem isn't it i think a lot of people are spending time engineering the hardware but then what they're not doing is courting the developers um, and well, there's APIs you know, built into iOS and Android yeah, that they could just use pe- callouts for. But but they but people aren't using them. Well, that's no these because there's no good controllers for any of these platforms yet. Well, uh, you know, if I if I were strategizing how to do this, uh, I would have a team uh, just as big an engineering team working on software support as I would have on hardware support. And I would have those guys going out and approaching the software developers of the big games and for electronic arts and something like that uh, and working with them to make sure that, you know, when my device launched out of the box, it played with, you know, a good top 50 titles in the, in the iOS app store. 
that's the, that's the only way you're going to get people to uh, to adopt these things because you know the iCade's a good example. It's it's been a modest hit, obviously big enough for the for the company to to continue making more products, but it only supports about four titles. Yeah. Now one of one of those is the is the Atari Arcade pack that has 100 games in it, but not Most all of, of the games, games in the, No. Yeah, not all of the I mean let's face 95 I mean, it, of the games are crap. It's fun to see the um you could play it you once. You know the yeah. the Atari VCS games in there, but yeah. let's face it, you're not going to play those all of the time. So um you know, you need to have that and and I think they're missing a trick by not courting the developers and making sure before the things launch that they've the support is there in one way or the other. You've been uh, playing any games recently on your iPad? I, I, on my iPad, uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've become obsessed with this game on my iPhone that, that is, is such a time suck. And you know what? I've spread it to my family and I know it's sucking their time too. It's called Dungeon Raid. Hmm. Uh, and it, it's kind of a, a mix between Bejeweled and a, uh, Diablo type adventure game, which kind of sounds kind of really weird when you say it out loud, but that's exactly what it's like. It, effectively, what you're doing is you have a, a platform full of tiles, and you have to join three of them up to make them disappear, just like you do with the bejeweled. But um, some of the uh, some of the tiles are monsters, and you have to slay them by picking up swords, and then you can get armor by um, picking up shields, and you can buy new items by picking up coins off the board, and um, effectively what you're doing is as you're building up all your stats is you're getting new powers and new magic and all of this sort of thing and then the monsters are getting harder and some of them come with special skills. So there's a whole leveling up mechanic tied up with um, with a bejeweled type, just you know, simple tile swipe game and it's incredibly addictive. I mean, re- it doesn't look like much to see but it, once you start, once seeing, you start playing it, yeah. Oh, I tell you, you just can't stop. You know, I mean, it's really, really cleverly done. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I started playing it, saw it on Touch Arcade or something like that. I thought, well, that looks fun. It was only 99 cents. Isn't that a great um, website? Yeah, it is. I love t- yeah. the t- we don't. I don't think, I don't know if we ever mentioned it more than a few times here, but the, the Touch Arcade, if you're looking for uh, iOS games that just focuses on games. Now, they don't cover everything because who could? But when they say something is good, it usually is. And they've got a, a good, yeah. diverse amount of writers that cover some really interesting stuff. TouchArcade.com. It's, it's yeah. a great website. So, I, yeah, I saw this game on there. I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And it, it kind of got me. And uh, then my wife said, oh, what are you playing there? And so I, I gave her a copy of it. And she's... I mean, she, and she's wicked good at it compared to me. Really? I mean, she was like, you know, within about an hour of playing it, she was way beyond where I got with it. I mean, <laughs> she's really, really good. And then my son saw it, and we just got him an, an iPod Touch, so I, I put it on there, and he's playing it all the time as well now. So, uh, yeah, if you if you if you have a life, don't get this game. <laughs> Send me a link to it. Right, I'll put do. it in the show yeah. notes so people can go to. Uh, MyMac.com, tech fan number 62, and there'll be a link to it. I've been playing a uh, a fun game called... It, it was one I was playing. It was called Rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it's not really... It's kind of hard to explain. It's almost like you don't actually control people or anything. You never, Actually, you don't even see people. It's just a map, and it's a town. And you've got four buildings to start out with. And it's the whole place is overrun by zombies, of course. Yeah. 
and you assign people different tasks. Like, okay, now you guys go over to this building and look for survivors or recruit survivors. And you guys go over here and forage. And you guys go over here and kill zombies. And the whole point is to build up your town and to, to farm and all that until you get to the point where uh, one of two things happen. You either die, mm-hmm. you, your town gets overrun by zombies, <clears throat> or you find the helicopter and uh, you research it and you fix the helicopter and you get your people out of there. And that's pretty. And you can continue to play after you do that. Um, but every few turns, it's turn based. Every few turns, the the zombie horde will attack, and their success is based on you know what you you have your people doing at the time. Um. I kind of liked that for a while. I spent like two days playing it. I beat it the very first time I played it, but I didn't realize the very first time you play it, it's on the easy yeah. setting. Right. And then it kicks it up to a more difficult level, and I lost like three times. One game literally takes like six hours. I mean, it takes forever. Yeah. And after the fourth time, and I beat it the fourth time on hard, and I was just like, you know, I'm kind of done with this game. The, the replay value just really isn't there after a while. Uh-huh. It's like, eh. You you kind of start noticing the the patterns that the gameplay throws at you. Yeah. So you're like, okay, if it's saying this, then I need to have nobody out on missions, so I have more people in my town, so they won't bust through. And yeah, you know, after a while, it's just it, it's okay for a couple of days though. And I think it was free. I think it was a free game. Sounds like a fun idea, anyway. Yeah, but the one I've really been spending a lot of time on is called Kingdom Rush. It's a uh, tower defense game, but it has some leveling up aspects to it. And the uh, sound effects are just great. Um, yeah. Because it's very cartoony. It's very challenging, though. And, you know, the bad guys come on a, a set path. But uh, your towers, one of your towers has little guys come out to fight the bad guys. And their job is really to slow it down so your cannons and your arrows can take them out. And then you can right. upgrade things so your can your arrows eventually become guys with guns. And you get flying guys and you get bosses and it's pretty standard, but I kind of like it. I mean, the voice acting <clears throat> on some of your little guys, yeah, are so serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? When yeah. they, when they come out, reinforce. And it's it's in complete the the complete opposite of what you're seeing on your screen, these little cartoon guys. Sometimes those little touches are what can really make a game, though. It does. Oh, it absolutely yeah. does in this game. I I really enjoy it. I think it's uh, I think it's a really clever game. I think I got it for like ninety nine cents, maybe a dollar ninety nine, but I think it was ninety nine cents. And I've probably played it. I, I I think I'm on like the ninth or tenth level now, maybe even higher than that. And uh. I'll probably play it till I get to the very end. The only thing I don't like, you you have to keep them out, and you get a certain number up to three stars, right? Uh huh. So if you don't get three stars, you can go back and replay that level if you want, which is great. Except you know I got like five levels ahead and thought ah I'm going to go back to the second level now that I've kind of leveled up my guys and it should be a lot easier to get the three stars. You you don't have all your leveled up stuff on that level. You only have what was available when you played that level. I don't like that. It, it kind well, of feels like it robbed me a little bit. Like, hey, wait a minute. I built up my guys. 
you know, I've got all these new defenses and stuff, but I can't use it on the older boards. Mm. Yeah, I I can't see what you mean, but I, I suppose the um, I guess it's it's the 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 design um, the design ethos of the game is you kind of solve each level as an individual puzzle rather than move stuff between. But then you shouldn't have the leveling up aspects. If you're going to give me yeah. the level up, then allow me to use my badass cannons on those first boards so I could just decimate the enemies and you know. Then, because then it's cool that I spent all this time yeah. leveling up, and then I can go back, and now I'm a real badass. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, kind of a, a mirror to that is a, a game I used to play, a real-time strategy game called Homeworld, yep. which was like yeah, which uh, you know was like big space battles all in 3D. The first, the first game, and there was two of them. The first game of that, um, if you didn't make the right decisions early in the game, you could never finish it. Yep. Because basically you were kind of you were you you got too far behind on the resource tree, um, and by the time you got to the later levels of the game, you would never have the right um, e- enough power to sort of kind of defeat mm-hmm. defeat the enemies. And then you would have to go back and try and figure out where you'd made the mistake and play the game from that point again. Um, <laughs> it was kind of frustrating. Yeah, really. I yeah I don't mind frustration in a game because that can lead to enjoyment, especially when you beat it. You're like it's like oh finally got past that level. Um, but I, I, you know, I want to be rewarded to go back to my old levels and, and stomp some orc butt or whatever the heck they are, you know, it, but I can't, it, it only gives me that levels, you know, highest upgrade, which is, you know, pretty weak compared to where you are five, five levels later. It's kind of disappointing in that regard, but I, I'm still, I'm really enjoying the game. It's the graphics are bright and clear and easy to see, and the sound is great. Definitely give it a try, though. It's I'll, d- it's, I'll definitely have to if you like tower defense. I love tower defense. Yeah, me too. It's uh, I never played it. I know there was a game called Tower Defense. It was a flash game on the internet, and it was real popular for like five minutes. And uh, that kind of spawned the whole tower defense genre on the iOS devices, and that's really where they took off. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the first games I ever got for the iPad when, you know, third-party developers were finally able to write software for the Mac was, or for the uh, iPhone and the iPad was Field Runners. It's still one of the best. Definitely. But, But I like this game better. So, there you go. Cool. So let's take a quick break, and then uh, Dave and I are going to come back and talk about copycats. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. Why, do, why is it called copycats? Why cats? I don't know. My internet connection isn't working properly, so I can't look it up on Wikipedia. Yeah, me neither. Well, I could. I just choose not to. I wonder if anybody knows about my great podcast, Pocket Size Podcast, where I talk all about iOS devices, iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV. Does anybody listen? Excuse me, sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't help overhearing you, and I just wanted to tell you that I listen to Pocket Sized Podcast. You do? Is it because of the wonderful product reviews? No. Is it because it's short and concise, and it covers all your favorite Apple devices? No. Is it because I'm a genius and you think I'm the greatest podcaster ever? No. Well, then what is it? Why do you listen to Pocket Size Podcast? Because I'm your dad. Okay, now I'm going to get beaten up by all the other podcasters. 
You don't have to be my dad to listen to Pocket Size Podcast from the Stoplight Network. Find us at PocketSizePodcast.com. We're all about Apple's iOS devices like iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple TV. We're short, we're to the point, and eh, you may like us, even if you're not my dad. Hello and good evening. This is Gads for the MyMac Podcast. And we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content, and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, Old Bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the MyMac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact... We restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... Sky, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows about OS X and iOS there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? Then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for my Mac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important. Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the Waz, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. That would explain why he was doubled over at the time. Check out the Stoplight Network and the MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a copper. So, uh, you know, Frank, we, we really should record another uh, ad for the Mac Specialist podcast. Okay, Kevin, let's do it. Right, but, you know, I'm thinking about um, doing something a little different uh, for when we record ads for the Mac Specialist podcast. What if we didn't say the Mac Specialist podcast in the ads for the Mac Specialist podcast? Like, we never said Mac Specialist podcast once. No, like, you don't say Mac Specialist podcast at all. You don't say Mac Specialist? And you don't say podcast, and you definitely don't say them together. So it would just be an ad for the Mac Specialist Podcast without ever saying the Mac Specialist Podcast. Yeah. That's right. a great idea. Yeah. We should definitely uh, record something for the Mac Specialist Podcast along those lines. Okay, I'm going to hit record now. So have you seen these? Uh, it, it's a couple different websites, David. Corning is, is advertising their Gorilla Glass. And some different tech. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. Why? Why are... It's not like you and I can go buy Gorilla Glass, and even if we could, what the hell are we going to do with Gorilla Glass? This is this is something that they need to market it to companies like Apple and Motorola and Sony. Why are they advertising it? I think I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to build build brand awareness in the mind of the consumer in the hope that those consumers will then demand that product from manufacturers. Seems stupid to me. Well, I, I, I kind of, I know what you say. Um, you know, I mean, it's not even like 
people are going to see those ads and then go and you know ring up Apple and say, "I need Gorilla. I expect to see Gorilla Glass in the next iPhone." Um, well, Gor- you know, it's Apple's the one that brought this whole thing back. Nobody was well, using it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think um, people kind of speculate they're using Gorilla Glass. I'm not sure that people are actually desperately sure. It could be a, a clone or a an alternate glass. Well, that, that uh, could be the case now, but yeah. with the original iPhone, it was Cordy's yeah. Gorilla Glass. I mean, glass. I, you know, and, and, and Apple were uh, leaders in choosing to use new materials or old materials in different ways, um, you know. Well, you look at the, uh, the Steve Jobs bio, and they talk about they were looking for glass. They were they were thinking about plastic at first, and it's you know they decided to go with glass. And someone knew about this product at Corning called Gorilla Glass. And when they approached them, Corning had given up on this product because it wasn't used anywhere. So they had to retool oh. and everything to break out this you know this technology yeah. again. But they yeah. don't advertise Apple on their website at all that Apple uses their stuff. That could be that well, Apple says that you're not going to advertise. Yeah, that. I mean, Apple Apple doesn't actually like to give too many of its secrets away, does it? So it, it doesn't tend to say um, say exactly what components it's using in its devices. Um, but certainly, uh, Corning are, are definitely on a mission to try and get as many people using it as possible. Because it says look it for, a big market. Look, look for it on 500 million devices. But then you look at the all the different manufacturers that are using it. And you're like, eh, even all of them together isn't equaling 500. Uh, I know which one's not listed there. <laughs> yeah, and, and not only that, but but the point is they're hedging their bets because yeah. potentially, you know, they, they obviously read the same blogs everyone else does, which says that, you know, Android is kicking Apple's butt and nobody realizes it. <laughs> so they're thinking, oh well, if we've got in all those devices, that would be, that would be good for us. I, I look, I think, I think the development of new. Uh, pro- I, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. Um, if you think about uh, an iPhone or any of these devices, really, the amount of power you get in those things is truly, compared to what batteries were like, you know, when you and I were growing up, yeah, it's, yeah. Truly, it's truly amazing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you're getting, even even the ones with bad battery life are doing amazing things compared to a Sony Walkman. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> No question. You know, and yet those things had like a battery life of about an hour and a half. Yep. Um, you know, it, it really is amazing. And I, and I think, you know, the development of technology science and material science and everything in, in terms of the way new devices and products get put together from these materials that we've kind of been knocking around for ages really is, is one of the kind of unsung, um, unsung uh, miracles of our time. Yep. The fact that we, we can do truly amazing things with material science. One of the things that uh, we decided to talk about, David, was copycats, and specifically, anyways, and it's been getting a lot of airtime on uh, a lot of different websites this last week, is Samsung. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know that Apple is suing them and blah, 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 and they're suing Apple. I don't care about all that. I'm just talking about when you look at the products. Specifically here, their phones. And you look at the history of Samsung, and all they do is copy. It's yeah. I don't know how they could defend that. I don't know why that's allowed to happen. Well, I think... 
that this is I mean it, clearly it's it's an endemic problem within the within the company as far as they're concerned it's perfectly legitimate to uh, ape their competitors and produce products that look very similar and operate in a similar way um, and I suspect that they think it's just standard business procedure now you've got to remember Samsung is not a is not a western company no they're um, Japanese and, yeah and and they are they Japanese or are they um, are they Korean? I believe they're Japanese. Right. Okay. But either either way, and I, I know Koreans and Japanese don't like to be put in the same box. But you know, in terms of Far Eastern manufacturers, I think any time you go browsing on eBay, you'll see that there, there is pretty much a uh, a generic business attitude uh, in the Far East, which is to take something somebody else is doing and copy it. Uh, and then sell a product that uh, is is functionally and, and sometimes looks very very similar to something somebody else has done. I mean, look look at the Japanese car industry. Oh, yeah. How it started off the war. That was exactly what they were doing. Initially, they were they were copying virtually identically um, American cars and European cars before they started to develop and innovate themselves. And and of course, back then, what they were doing is they were creating these products. Um, in a way that they were manufactured more cheaply and, and were better built. Now, I'm sure Samsung would argue that that's exactly what they're trying to do, is they're trying to copy other people's products, but in a way that makes them better, and that, that justifies what they do. Um, and I suspect they've probably been a little bit blindsided by the, some of the negativity they're starting to encounter over this now. Yeah, they're but probably the- thinking, why, what, what's going on? Why, yeah. why do... Yeah, and it's just, after a while... You have to look at a company that's doing nothing but ripping off everybody else and just kind of avoid that company. You should shun it. You shouldn't buy Samsung products that's when they steal from others. I mean, if they came out with something that was totally different, absolutely support it. But then somebody's going to steal that from them. And what's their attitude then? I, I I still think that maybe culturally they just they don't see it as such a bigger deal, um, and it, and it, I I don't think it's just them to be honest. I mean, look they're the most the iPhone, egregious though. They are they are. I mean they they they're kind of it, it, it. If you look almost, at the Android, it almost phones, appears like they're deliberately doing it. Oh, they are. You could even go back to the to you could even go back to the razor. They had a product that was very similar to yeah. the razor, but it, you look at HTC and. They try to do some different designs with the, you know, the iPhone market, if you will. They they tried to do some some things that looked different. Uh, they've pretty much settled on copying Apple at this point because their innovative ones were pretty much a failure. Well, everybody has been up, you know, if you lump Android all in together, yes, they're selling more units. But if you look at any one model, it's not even close to the iPhone. Well, I mean, this is this is where it gets a little bit grey, isn't it? Because after the iPhone came out, pretty much the smartphone industry um, within six months transformed itself into something that produced phones with slide-out keyboards or folding designs or anything into something where they all looked like a black slab with a button at the bottom and a speaker at the top and wore a whole screen. Now, you could argue that, that all of that is, is a direct rip-off of the iPhone. Sure. To different degrees, so kind of it, you know, it, it does get a little bit grey when you've got the whole industry doing that. Yeah, but not um, when you, you know. When and, you're and taking look, it, no, no, I gotta, I gotta uh, disagree with you there. 
Yeah, Apple is going to change the aesthetics of these other companies' products because they're with all the success and demand and all. But when you look at what Samsung's doing, they are literally copying. Yeah, you can, and, and, and I'm not defending Samsung at all because yes, they are. They are doing it. It's much, shameless. They are shamelessly going closer to the original designs than anybody else. Um, but I, I suspect their argument would be just the same argument that I made, which is that, well, everyone, you know, it's, it's all a matter of degrees, and we're just kind of a little bit closer than others. But if, if, if the general principle holds up, why should, why should our principles not, not be the same? Yeah. That's what I suspect they would argue. I'm, I'm not saying it's right. Um, but, but certainly, I think as an industry, the, the technical industry has, has, you know, has a long history of copying each other and to, to lesser and greater degrees. And sometimes I do wish that people would innovate more and come up with new designs and new ways of doing things rather than just slavishly copying each other. And look what's what happened at CES this week with these Ultrabooks. They are, they're just really bad knockoffs of the MacBook Air. Every one of them. Yeah. And, you know, they're bad in the fact that, you know, they, a lot of them look ugly. A lot of them aren't very functional. A lot of them are festooned with ports that make them thicker and heavier and more expensive than the MacBook Air. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, a lot of them don't have the SSDs. They have hard drives and that sort of thing. And ultimately, you look at them and you think, well, if you, if you were going to copy the MacBook Air, why did you not do it better? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. And I think, I think that the, one of the biggest issues, at least with the PC companies out there, is they don't have any designers. They have engineers. And engineers are their designers. And engineers are not designers. I mean, I've worked with both. It's it's different mentalities. An engineer thinks how this thing's going to work. A designer thinks how people are going to work with it. And Apple, and it's very clear from their product lines, think, first, how are we going to interact with this device? What's going to make it better? And then engineering's job is to work within those constraints and they usually succeed whereas a company like dell or hp says okay we want to put this 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 we want a metal case and there it is and well it's good enough well yeah but it's ugly well yeah but so what it works i know i'm 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 talking to you here on a, a lenovo thinkpad uh the x201 which is a nice machine of its type but you, you know, with um, Lenovo, I will give you know what. But I'm looking at this thing, and it's ugly. I it mean, is. It's, re- it's 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 a good laptop in terms of it, it functionality. Does what it's meant to do right, functional, but it's really ugly. Yeah. All on the front, there's all these holes where they, the the lid comes down and kind of slots in, but it looked ugly. But at least Lenovo's not copying everybody else. No, that's I'll right. Give them, that's I'll right. give them credit yeah. for that. They they do have their own aesthetic, where you can't say that the same with a Dell or an HP or a sony they all look well like crap pretty much but yeah they there's i just don't understand why after all these years after all the success apple has had every one of these companies even the phone companies are still operating under the premise that the buyer is interested in specs they just don't understand that that time has passed. Consumer electronics has got past the specs stage. We don't yeah. care. We care how it works and how it looks. And they don't get that. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. No, I, I, 
I tweeted a few weeks ago, just before Christmas. I was in Barcelona um, on a on a business trip, and I saw a guy in a lift with a um, a Galaxy. Uh, wish, wish. This is us. This is tab. A, no, not 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 the tablet. It's the big ass phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has like a five inch screen. Right. And it looked ridiculous. Yeah, it looks. It looks I mean, it's it, retarded. It was. It, it was basically. It was. It was just a huge phone. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I thought, what sort of idiot came up with that design? You know, who's like, let's let's take something that looks like an iPhone, but people want a bigger screen, so let's make it bigger. And it's just like you know, this thing it could it could barely fit in the guy's pocket. Yeah. You know, and when he when he pulled it when he pulled it out, he looked like a child playing with a with an adult's phone. I mean, it was ridiculous. He looked like he was about two, because the phone kind of dwarfed his hand. And I just thought, you know, that's just ridiculous. Uh, and what are you compensating for? <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's it, the same it guy just, who drove up to the airport in a Porsche Carrera yeah, and, 911. And and I've heard I've heard people on other podcasts go, oh yeah, Americans want big screens because we're Americans and we like big things. We like Hummers and that sort of thing. And I thought you're idiots. That's an idiotic thing to say. It is because (laughs) actually the trend in America for the last, I'm going to say 10 years is to go smaller. We don't want, I mean, nowadays most people who see somebody in a Hummer, you just like, really, really you need that big Hummer. So we've got two kind of opposite problems here. We've got people who are copying uh, and in some cases, slavishly copying, you know, too close to the wind. And then you've got other people who, when they innovate, they innovate in stupid ways. They can't say, well, how could we do what they do better? They say, well, how can we do what they do different? And, and that's, that's kind of, you know, why would you, why would you say, well, here's a, here's a manufacturer who's growing products who, even in an e- economic downturn and a recession, are still growing and selling and selling and growing and have got huge mind share and that sort of thing. And rather than saying, well, what are they, whatever they're doing, must, they, it must be right. So, you know, how can we, how can we do the things that, that, that kind of might be a problem with that, but better? They're saying, oh, well, let's just do something. Ooh. Get it close enough. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't understand the mental process of that at all. You know, the problem is, David, you and I just aren't rich and can't start our own big company to... The joy of being a pundit, Tim, is to <laughs> criticize without having to have any of the answers. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I would totally, if I had the money, I would totally jump into the Android market. Totally. Because I think... A, there's a there's a huge market out there as a competitor to iOS, but B, everybody who's doing an iOS or a, a doing an Android phone are absolutely doing the wrong thing. They're not innovating in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, probably the most innovative Android product out there is something that people don't associate with Android at all, and that's the Kindle Fire. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it doesn't feel like Android, you know, uh, and I said I would I would come back and give an update on that, and I will. Um, I'm still liking it a lot, David. I think it's a great little book reader. Uh, it's so seamlessly integrated into Amazon's website. They just came out with one for it pushes it out to you. It's it's optimized for your iPod Touch basically. Yeah, and it, and it's a website, but it feels more like a an app, and it works really well. And I yeah. I've used it. Um, 
but the but the Kindle Fire is a good little device. I can't I can't tell people don't get it. It's not as good as an iPad. Uh oh, uh oh, getting yep. buzz. Is it you or me? Probably me. me I look. can't hear anything. Yeah, it's well, it's a three G. I don't know, something's weird. So yeah, we were talking about earlier, David. Uh, Macworld Expo coming up. Looks like uh, on Wednesday. I don't have my calendar up, and if I try to launch it, it'll get screwy. My calendar keeps crashing all the time on my uh, computer. Is that iCal? Yeah, crashes all the time. I don't know why. It's not a great program. Well, (laughs) that goes without saying. You know, uh, BusyCal is better. You know, but it costs money, and I don't use it all that often. Yeah. Um, I'll pull it up on my iPad because it works perfectly here. So on the 25th. That's a Wednesday, January 25th. Uh, Guy and me and the rest of the MyMac crew are going to get together at noon Pacific time in front of the main doors at Moscone Center. And which uh, which, which uh, it's, hall, though? It's the you only have it's the, wherever MacWorld is going on. I think it's the West. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in front of the main doors, Moscone West. At noon, we're going to hang out for probably a half hour and then go get something to eat. So if anybody is going to be there that's listening to this show, um, Wednesday, the 25th, show up, meet Guy, meet me, meet meet the other people that are going to be there for my Mac, and uh, we'll go grab a bite to eat or something. Cool. Hang out. Oh, I don't, I don't know if we'll actually podcast. We might, but... I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could. We'll have to get you there again, you know, maybe yeah. next year. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it would be really cool is to maybe do our own event, get a whole bunch of manufacturers and, you know, and we'll just do it on our own. Call it the, the My Mac world. <laughs> I'm, sure, like I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be a big success. Yeah. Trade shows the way the future. Obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> well, this time though, we'll do a little different. We'll do it. I'm thinking in the desert, in an outside venue. Yeah. <laughs> in September. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we can find a field up in Seattle or somewhere. It'll be dry then, won't it? <laughs> no, the desert, so we can watch all the iPhone cases melt. <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, David, I think we're going to cut it a little bit short this week. Um, no particular reason other than I don't really have much more to talk about, to be honest. I didn't, we didn't prepare like usual, but it's been an odd couple weeks. You know, it's just, I'm kind of in a holding pattern and then work and then people getting sick at home and even the dogs got sick. We had to take one of the dogs to the vet. So yeah, yeah, it's just been, eh. and I feel lethargic. Yeah. Well, it's kind of those winter blues really. It, it is. It is. It is. No question about it. And and the other aspect of that is when I do feel like podcasting, it's like nine o'clock at night. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think your wife would appreciate me trying to ring you up at two in the morning your time. Two in the morning? Well, no, probably not. <laughs> Hi, Tim. This is David. <laughs> I have but, to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're suggesting I plug in a headset and actually podcast with you uh, on my iPhone in the bed next to her. <laughs> yeah. Every now, and, every now and then we hear. Shh. <laughs> 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 Okay, she's back to sleep. Okay, well, we're, what were we talking about? 
It'd be different. I like to say there's no rules in podcasting, but there are definitely rules in the uh, Robertson-Cohen households. Definitely, And and that wouldn't fly very well, I don't think. No, definitely not. Well, send me a link to the uh, video game you're talking about, David. I'll put it in the show notes. And, uh, you know, anybody out there wants to get a hold of us, feedback at MyMac.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll read your feedback right here on the show. You can uh, send us commentary, comments, whatever, on Twitter. I'm at, at MyMac, and David is... At David B. Cohen. I know that, but I just, you know... Yes. Yeah. So, David, I will... Uh, I guess the la- next show will be the last one before the Macworld Expo. Yep. Be, uh, it'll be interesting. Oh, well, well, also as well, by the next show, there, there should have been an Apple event as well, so we will have... Yeah, something about education. I think it's going to be uh, getting textbooks on the cheap on iOS. I think that's what it's going to be about. I expect so. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the, it, I think we're all expecting that. And, you know, your kids are a little bit younger, mine's... I've got some your age too, but I've also got older kids. Uh-huh. And uh, textbooks are not cheap. I mean, they're very expensive D- to the point where it's ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah. And so, if Apple can do something in textbooks, especially if you could make notes within the textbook app, that would be really awesome. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether you know this is purely a. Uh, kind of a software publishing deal or whether there's hardware as well uh, I don't think it's going to be hardware well unless unless there's educational deals on existing hardware well but what they already do yeah they already do that no I think it's going to be something to do with textbooks in education and okay, well, uh, it's a right market so I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about that maybe we'll if it's worth week. if it's worth talking about mm-hmm. yeah. so hopefully another tech company will do something incredibly smart or incredibly stupid between now and next week and we can talk about that as well so in the meantime David and I are going to go buy some Gorilla Glass for our house and uh, we'll see you guys next week